Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm the host of the Inside Scoop and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're just joining us, then the Inside Scoop is a podcast dedicated to helping parents understand the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And the way we like to do that is we travel around the world and interview parents, players, and coaches about what soccer would be like if our child lived in their city. And I got to tell you, um, this has been an amazing uh, podcast. I'm so excited about the folks that I've been able to um, meet. And I'm hoping that the listeners have enjoyed listening to stories um, as far as uh, from the different um, uh, uh, players, coaches, and trainers. I mean, we've traveled to Germany. We've gone to Uganda. We've gone to Ghana. We've gone to the UK, Manchester, and Luton, and all those shows will be made available. Again, my name is Neil Crawford, and you're listening to The Inside Scoop. I am the founder of a new product that we're launching this summer called Anytime Soccer Training. And Anytime Soccer Training is a website that will host over 1,000 follow-along soccer uh, videos to help your child get better. And as a parent, I created Anytime Soccer Training because I wanted a way to help my children get better uh, uh, in a hands-off, with a hands-off approach that was fully uh, comprehensive. So I really encourage you to check out www.anytime-soccer.com if you have not collected your free ball mastery and juggling video. Now, on to the show. So we have a wonderful show lined up for you guys today. We're traveling all the way to Paris, to, to Paris, France. And if, you, if you're just listening in now, uh, we, we record the shows a little bit in advance. So it's the 4th of July weekend for us here in the States. And I thought it would be only fitting to, um, to bring on one of our closest allies in, in helping us get our independence from France. And this is a show that I've been um, highly anticipating um, filming or listening to because I want to learn exactly what it's like for folks like Paul Pogba and Mbappe and Griezmann. I saw, I'm sure some of you guys saw the Netflix special on him. What is it like in those concrete jungles in, in France and what would soccer be like if my son played there? And we have a special guest today because he has a very uh, unique story and a very interesting perspective. He understands the France system, and he's played at some of the highest levels in France, but he's also played and worked in the States, right, um, at, at, at the university level. And now, as he's transitioned out of his uh, playing days, he's founded a company that helps French players, especially those in the urban areas who may not have opportunities or know about certain opportunities, he's helping those players uh, secure NCAA scholarships in the States. And I think that's, I think that's wonderful for soccer, of course. And then on the flip side, uh, his company is beginning to help American uh, players who want to understand what it's like to play in France, who want to get serious feedback from academy uh, professionals, who want to train with 
pre-academy and academy professionals, giving those guys honest and concrete feedback and an experience that then they can go back home and prepare. And then also they can build that network as well. So he's doing a lot of great work in sort of the transatlantic space of you, of soccer. And, and I thought he would be perfect for the show because he can give us a perspective of what it's like in um, Paris, obviously. And then he can juxtapose that to what's happening in the States. And that's quite frankly, as you know, is what the uh, show is about. So without any further ado, I want to welcome a special guest, Wesley Merker. And we were joking before the show that I'm an old country boy and I butcher names and he said he's used to it because he's been to the States and I probably butchered your name, Wesley, but that has nothing to do with my affection for you and my appreciation for you to be on the show. So welcome to the Inside Scoop. So Wesley, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your playing days. Tell us a little bit about your um, company and what you're trying to accomplish. And then we're going to jump right into it, uh, 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 talking about youth soccer in Paris. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Neil. Uh, so welcome, uh, hi, hello everyone. So my name is uh, Wesley, Wesley Mucker. And um, yeah, as, um, as Neil introduced me, I'm, I'm from Paris, so I grew up there. And um, quickly, so I've been playing over there uh, for, for many years. Then after high school, I decided to go to the, to the US to get a scholarship and to play at a university level. And then in the university, I've noticed that only few players were drafted, so many were dreaming about being professional, and that's how I I uh, get connected with professional clubs in France, and I and I explain explain them that uh, um, there is a lot of kids who would love to at least get a tryout and see how they play, and uh, I was able to convince uh, FC, um, AC Ajaxio, which is a Division Two team, that was my first partner, professional partner, and then Perry FC as well and other Division Two team in France and also uh, division uh, professional teams in Holland. And that's how I started my company, which brings players into France or to Holland to get trials. And then they get a certificate with an evaluation from UFAA coach from the club. And then they play with a tool on their feet to measure the stats, basically to tell them how how they get to, to improve and what they are, they are doing wrong and what's the, what, what, are, what are they doing good as well during the, the game. And um, beside this, as Neil mentioned, I also help kids from France or any part of Europe to get scholarship in the US as we've already placed few players into university. And in the same way, on the other side, we've all also placed some American players into French clubs, French clubs at their level. And beside that, we get them a working visa. So we're trying to help them to change their life to soccer, whether it's to study or to uh, to try to progress and hopefully make it. Okay, so that's great. So one thing I left out is what's the name of your company? And we're gonna link information in the show notes below, but how do people find your company and learn more, especially if they're an American have a serious soccer player and want to get to Europe and train in Holland. I didn't even know about Holland, France, with these clubs and get honest feedback. How do they, how do they find you? So the name of the company is on, on the shirt. So that's, that's the shirt we give to the players, you know. Okay, FrenchSportTryout.com. Yeah. But however, 
now the, the website is searchyourteam.com because before it was when we only had French teams as partner, but now as we also have Dutch teams, then the name of the company, I mean, the name of the website, the company is still French Portrait, but the website is searchyourteam.com without an S. Okay, Search that's easy to remember. Easy. Searchyourteam.com. And, and, and guys, we will link that in the show notes. Okay. So now on to the show. All right. So for your benefit and our loyal listeners will know um, how this works. I'm going to give you a quick brief overview of U.S. soccer or youth soccer in America. And then you can piggyback and give me a brief um, overview of, of Paris soccer. And we can kind of juxtapose that and then we'll dig into the details okay so in the states if you moved here and you brought your 10 year old son or 10 year old daughter the first thing i'm going to tell you is get your checkbook ready to roll okay because you are definitely definitely going to pay no matter how good your child is it doesn't matter For the most part, as a parent, you're going to pay. And I'm going to gloss over a lot of this because we've gone over it. Um, But for the benefit of you and the listeners who are listening for the first time, I'm going to describe the basic pathways that would be available to your child, okay? So your child comes here. You want them to um, play soccer. Because you're coming from Europe, the first thing I got to explain is you're going to pay for them to play. And then in Cary, North Carolina, where I live, we have several different entry points for your child to play based on a number of different factors. The biggest factor is, you know, how how committed they are, how committed you are as a family and how much you want to spend. Those are some of the biggest factors. And then their talent level. Now, The entry point and the entry point for most children is what we call the recreational level. And what I'm learning, um, having interviewed several guests, is in America, we really um, compartmentalize our different program options. So we have the recreational level is the most basic entry point. That is a situation where mommy and daddy are coaching, the kids are just out there just to have fun, There's one practice a week and a game on the weekend. It's really more intramural in the sense that it's hosted by a municipality that has recreational teams. Clubs also have recreational programs. But in the recreational programs, in general, you're not going throughout the city and playing different clubs. You're just always going to the same field or the same few fields, definitely the same complex. And you're just playing the different club different teams within that intramural program and to give you perspective i mean you know they might have teams named after animals so i'm on the rabbits he's on the meerkats and he's on the furries it's really really just having fun that's what it's all about okay you don't even at the younger ages you don't even have a ref a parent could the parent coaches will ref it's not even really like a real ref it's just for fun As they get older in the recreational programs, it's still totally for fun, but they will have refs, okay? But but the parents will be the coaches. And those programs are not not typically not prohibitively expensive and they last about 10 weeks. Then there is a 
program option in between where it's a little bit higher than rec, but not as high as what we call travel or academy soccer. That's where the kids will practice maybe two days a week. A parent will still coach or definitely at least assistant coach, be an assistant coach, but the parent will get more support from the club that's doing the challenge program uh, from a licensed coach. So you may have a licensed coach that's almost acting like the director of coaching for the volunteer coach. So they may go around sitting in a few practices and give the kids a little bit more um, hands-on contact. That is still not considered to be quote unquote high level soccer, but it's higher than rag. They may practice twice a week and have a game on the weekend. And their season can, they'll have two seasons, fall and a spring, and it'll be the equivalent of about four months or something like that. And then you have what we call travel soccer. And travel soccer trans, um, changes or transcend to, transcends to academy soccer as the child gets older. So if an American tells you my child plays travel soccer, in general, what they're saying is my child is a member of a football club that puts on a 10-month season um, that their child, depending on their age, is going to be uh, either in the pre-academy or once they get older, they will have an opportunity to try out and make that club's academy team. And that you're still paying to play for the most part. And that can be anywhere from $800, $900 to $2,500 in tuition. And those kids practice three times a day normally. I'm sorry, not a day. Three times a week normally. And they have a game on the weekend. Okay. They will definitely uh, have licensed coaches, at least one licensed coach, and they'll be broken out into teams. Okay. And typically based on skill level. Now, one thing that's really different, I suppose, uh, here that in, in Paris is your equivalent of PSG will have low, will have all three of these categories. And then within these categories, they'll have loads of teams. So even at the highest level of travel soccer, the 10-month program, they may have 10, 15 teams, guess what, per age group. They could be massive. Right, that's on one extreme. And then some clubs will be a lot smaller. They may have two or three teams per age group. And then as the kids get older, those number of teams drop off pretty dramatically because you know, there's just less kids gonna play at that level. And the reason they have to do that is because they're funding their operations through parent tuition. So I just interviewed a pre-academy player from Luton and you guys will hear that uh, interview next week to give you perspective. His pool of players um, for Luton, Luton FC in the UK was 30 kids. They had two teams. And it doesn't matter. I mean, if you don't make it, then you don't, you're not in the team. Where in the States, they typically will create teams to fit um, the number of kids that try, to, that try out. Does that? So, so now that's how the um, academy works, basically. Now. As the kids get older, then these um, academy programs, these, are travel, these travel programs begin to consolidate some of the kids 
into their academy, their official academy program. And those kids can, um, uh, are what you would consider to be on a professional or college pipeline. So let me try to help you picture this. If your child comes here at say U14 or U13 and you want them to get involved in soccer, then I'm gonna say, okay, go try out for the local academy. And the local academy, so it's not like Manchester United where they have to be scouted per se, and that's a huge per se, but in general, I'm gonna, cause MLS clubs, you probably do have to be scouted. But for the most part, I'm gonna say try out. And that club is gonna, um, in theory, gonna assess your kid and put them on a team that fits their skill level. And if the kid, if the program, because the program doesn't know your kid that well, and there's so many kids trying out, they may put your child at a lower level at first. But if your child does really well and keeps performing, then they, they'll move them up eventually to that academy program. And in MLS academies and some academies around the world, the kids of those top programs do not pay. That's number one. And they do get pulled in and out of the academy. But it's still not exactly the same as, especially culturally, as it would be in the state, uh, in Europe, because it's still an element of pay to play there. Now, that's the academy. Now, we have other pathways to play. You could play indoor leagues. Um, you could play futsal. And then finally, we have other clubs that are formed by individuals that are not part of the entire system that I just described. So you and I can decide we're going to create a nonprofit, nonprofit, and we're going to create a soccer club, and we're going to recruit kids. And we can play, we can play in tournaments, we can play friendlies, but we're not necessarily part of the mainstream uh, under the U.S. soccer umbrella. So you have a lot of smaller clubs that start off that way. You have a lot of Hispanic clubs in, in my area to do that because they form their own Hispanic, predominantly Hispanic leagues. So they're, they're, they're classified as recreational because they're just playing each other. So it's almost like one big, so even though they perceive themselves as being, they're obviously different teams and different clubs. As far as U.S. soccer is concerned, they're just one big organization that's playing a bunch of intramural leagues. And that's the way that they can kind of play each other. And even though they're classified as recreational, they're, they're definitely not recreational. Um, I think, I, I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting one thing about it, but it, it, it'll come to me. So that's basically how it works here in the States. So now I wanna hear, now we're gonna flip the script. We go to um, Paris. I have a 10 year old son, I sign him up. What are the soccer pathways available? All right, so uh, in Paris, basically, we just have one, um, one big league, which is the, the FFF, the French Federation FFF. of Football. FFF, the French Federation of Football. And basically, all clubs, whatever the level is, all clubs are affiliated to the FFF. And so basically, you will just register your kid to any club. I mean, I would say the, the closest club around you, you know? So that you don't have to um, to drive very much too too far away, and so um, that club will be automatically affiliated to the FFF, to the French Federation of Football, and um, so in that club all coaches will be um, will be uh, 
uh, will be licensed. You know, they are all licensed, whatever, whatever the age. Uh, however, I don't. We don't have. We don't have. Uh, like you said, a travel league, uh, recreational, and other things you mentioned. Because no, everyone is on the FFF, and under the FFF, then in each category of team. So let's say, how old is your son? Nine, so in this, in this hypothetical, well, my son actually is 10, but I like to start the show talking about the younger ages. So okay. let's just say so, 10. Okay. So he's 10. Then he will go to, uh, to that club. You got to know that uh, basically even the lowest club will have at least two teams per category. Okay. So we call them the A team and the B team. So within that club, then your your son go and he want to play with them. Even if he don't, he's not good. He, they will still accept him because at that level, that's not PSG. That's just like whatever club around. You know, they will accept him. If he's not good, he will just be with the B team. But if he's good, he will be with the A team. But then, um, so first of all, regarding the price, it's always the same. Whatever club you are. Um, except if it's a professional club, but I mean, normal club, it costs for a 10 year old, I have the price right there. Uh, it costs 155 bucks, uh, euros, 155 euros for the whole year, which includes the equipment. So um, uh, a jacket, uh, a pan, you know, and then also sometimes it includes a bag, but not always. And sometimes it, it like the food on Saturday after the game, like you know, uh, uh, like some some snack, you know, each Saturday, but not so, always. So let let me do some compare. Let me do some compare and contrast so that the listeners and I can really picture this. So I arrived there and um, and I say I want to sign my son up for soccer. And you're gonna say go down to the local club, and he is definitely going to get to play and, and they're going to assess him and put him on one of these teams. And they know wait, 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 wait. I'm not saying he's definitely going to play. I'm saying he's definitely going to be in the team. No problem. But I'm not saying he will be with the A team or the B team. And even if he's in the B team, there is no guarantee he's going to play because uh, each week. So you will have sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, depending on how serious the club is. But if he got two tra training training a week, and if he don't pra practice well, if the coach don't like how he he behave and etc., even if you pay, the coach can decide to not um, convoke him for the Saturday. You know. So for example, myself sometimes I've not been I I did I, I wasn't picked for the Saturday. You know. That's the choice of the, of the coach. And some parents are pissed because yeah, I'm paying and my son is not paying is not playing. And the coach is just like, no, that's how that's how it is. If you want him to play, then go to a club at a shittier level than where we are. You know what I mean? But yeah. if the club is um, serious, then they want to make people play who are being serious during the training. You know, and even if you are very good, you are very good, but you you don't you don't practice you don't come to practice. Someone who is average but who is serious and come to practice will be picked for the Saturday, you know? So definitely they, they look at how serious the kid is also. Okay, so I got that and that's helpful. And so, it, and, I, and that's kind of how it was in Germany a little bit. 
But so what, but what I'm saying is I'm taking a step back and saying, is they, are these clubs considered grassroots? Is that even a thing compared to say PSG, which would be considered sort of a professional? So even PSG could be considered as grassroots because even at PSG, for example, for the under 10 years old kids, yes. you will have yes. you will have the first team, which is the team which will play against uh, Lyon, Marseille, you know, like the, the very, very exceptional kids. And to get there, like they will come pick you up. You cannot even think about training with them. If you're good, they will hear about you and they will send a scout and then he will come pick you. But even at PSG, your son could be playing at PSG, but he will be playing with maybe if he's under 10, so they will have the A team, B, C, D, E, F, G. Maybe he can be playing with the, with the, yeah, with the G team, you know? Do you yeah, understand? Yeah, he with the Z team. <laughs> oh. Exactly, yeah. And so that, that team is still PSG, but it's what we called, in French, we say PSG national, PSG provincial, PSG regional. So PSG national. PSG national, so that means the, the, the teams in Paris that are playing national level. National level, you have three types of national level. You have League One, Division One, League Two, Division Two, and you have national, national, it's Division Three when we say national. So let's say Division Three, okay? So to, to be playing in that level, at the national level of PSG, they come pick you up. You cannot even think about it. Then, there is the provincial. Provincial, it's a little bit lower, but same thing, you have different types of level. But if your son come and want to play for PSG at the lowest level of PSG, so the regio regional, the regional, this is available for any anybody, and this will cost also 155 bucks. But if he's playing with the national, same thing as what you mentioned with the guy in, in, in the academy. academy. Yeah, if they play in the academy, they are not paying anything. Okay. They pick them up, like Mbappe, you know. So yeah. So all right, so let's take a step back so I can put this in a in a box to help me get my head around it. Because the first question I would have is, well, why if, if PSG is offering all of these different levels, why doesn't everybody just go and play at whatever level they can play at at PSG? Because presumably, you know, they're closer to the sun. So they're going to be warmer, but I guess it doesn't work that way. It doesn't at all. Yeah. Because basically, first of all, they have a limit of pe people they can allow, you know? So they have a limit in that lower division, um, division section. Uh, maybe they will, they will not have one. Uh, I mean, 10 teams from the regional level. They will maybe just have two, you know, which means maybe 24 kids maximum, you know, or maybe like 30. So once they reach that, they are not taking you. But what I mean is like, the younger you are, and if you register the quickest, then you get your spots easier. It's not complicated okay. at all. Okay, so, let, so now let's take a step back to try to really get my head around this. So you effectively have a, one governing body, the FFA, that, yes. that all of these clubs are a member of. Uh -huh. And when I move over there with my 10-year-old son, your advice to me is going to be, well, just go down to the club it, because he's so young. 
go to the club that's closest to you uh, that has some decent coaching. Is that fair? Exactly. Yeah. And and that club will have different teams, an A team and a B team at a minimum per age group. Is that fair? Exactly. Yes. Now and then, if I understand correctly, though, and do those age groups or do those teams with those, in those clubs do they, they play at different levels though different exactly, divisions yeah. so in the uk a club can have a team that plays in division one or division two is it does it work like that it's, it's exactly like that so let me explain you if for example let's say you you go to um there is a city near paris called i mean in the area of paris called Gargenville. okay so let's say you move to Gargenville, so you take your son to the club of Gargenville, okay? If you arrive on time and you uh, you pay the, the registration, 155 bucks, then your, your, your son is part of the team. You don't have to try out because that's a regional team, regional level. So the first team is at the regional level, so which is the lowest, okay? But the team of your son will have their own level. For example, if by the end of the year, the the under 10 year uh, the under 10 team of your son is champion next year they will not be in the same uh, division so there will be maybe one league higher you know so this means that um this team in gargenville if the the teammate of your son and your son is pretty good within three years maybe you can get to the provincial level and then maybe you can get to the national level and play against also team like uh, like psg you know That's and, do, and do teams get relegated youth teams if you don't do well get pushed down exactly yeah of course yeah there is the relegation and uh, nomination as well and is Always. it as strict as it is at the adult level where it's based solely on points exactly that's exactly the, and that's why i'm telling you if you don't practice well, the coach don't take you on Saturday. That's why, because they know that they want to go also um, upper level. So that's why at the end, not everyone want to go to PSG because actually even the, the scouts from PSG, they don't even look at the kids at the regional level of PSG. They would rather look at kids like Mbappe in the club of Bondi because if your kid is in a club which is a little bit lower, but your kid is shining over there, then everyone will be talking about him and scouts will be coming, you know? So that's why. So, so let me take a, let me take a step back even further. So in the States, let's say a five-year-old, right? We have our municipalities will have these recreational programs. Like I talked to you about, there is no such thing as a competitive program that young. Okay. The earliest I, I think I've ever seen, and, and my American listeners can chime in and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is U7. And even that is pushing it. That's rare. So for, for, for competitiveness. For, 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 okay. So what I'm asking is, let's go a step even further back. I bring my five-year-old over there and I want my five-year-old child to be part of some organized soccer. Now, what that will look like for us is we have a couple of different things. Most of those, if you're that young, you just go on the day and you kind of play around with your parents and the other kids. You don't really have a game schedule. But, you know, and then some programs will actually have a practice 
in a game. Some programs will have a practice like 30 minutes before and then the game like right after that. And some of them will have two different days. But the word practice is I'm using the word practice extremely loosely. It's really more about just kids running around with the parents on the pitch. So Okay. Yeah. So you. now now that you've said that about my 10-year-old, let's go, let's go back even further. I bring my five-year-old over there and I'm gung-ho and I want him to get involved in soccer. What what is available? So uh, first of all, the competition over here, it would start a, at uh, the age of um, eight, I would say. Under okay. okay. eight-year-old kids will, will be into the competition, you know. But then if your son is five years old, um, at that point, so basically uh, they still have a competition, but every kids will play, whatever the level. This time, they don't really, it doesn't really matter because before eight, they think that, okay, he got to improve. So whatever his level is, as long as he's committed, then he will be playing because- But he does he go, so let me cut you, but does my five-year-old go to that same club? Does that club offer a program or is it something, do they go something totally different? Uh, at five years old, it will really depend on the club and the budget of the club. Because to take care of, of five-year-old kids, I would say, um, most clubs do, but not all of them, you know. But uh, but yeah, so at that at that point, for five years old, yeah, it's um, the competition is not like a competition, you know. They are kids, but if your five five years old really kill it, then he might be taken for the playing with the guys who are eight years old, you know, and they play competition. But at five years old, then it's just like maybe they will have. Um, but they still they still do it in kind of a competition way, but not officially, you know, like not with start and everything. But it's just like maybe they will have a parent who will be the referee, you know. Um, okay, let's let's put it this way. For example, the um, the under eight year old team have a have the competition game against the under eight year old team of another city. Okay, so they will make sure to bring the five years old and the six years old also and the seven years old but they don't have official game like the eight years old you know but they will just put them on a field aside you know they will give them a small space and then they will just play i would say recreational you know so that's that's how how, how, how that's kind of how it is so, so, so okay so to unpack that there, there is a club, because we're talking more in general, that if I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, I can take them to that same club. Some won't offer the programs, but some will, and they'll have some kind of program for my five-year-old as well. But the competition level, as we think about competition in terms of those different divisions, the national, the provincial, the regional, I think I heard, they don't start until you get to about seven or eight, basically. And then you're saying within those, within those competitions, youth teams can be relegated and promoted based on points. Exactly, yes. And, yeah. and then I'm just going to repeat, and, and those kids, yes, they're part of a team, but they're also part of a training pool where they're getting selected every weekend. And, you're, and if I understand correctly, you're equivalent to grassroots, and I'm defining grassroots, and then you tell me, I'm going to define a grassroots club as a youth program that doesn't necessarily have 
a professional team, a professional first team. Is that fair? So there are clubs that are offering these youth experiences, youth training, youth games. They may even play PSG, but at some point, they don't have a professional first team. Is that fair? Exactly. That's, the, okay. that's what you're so, talking about. Yeah. yeah. And so those players can eventually, I'm sorry, not players. Those teams can eventually get work their way up to being able to play against the equivalent of PSG. Exactly. Yes, totally. And and um, what happens when they get older? And we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to soon. We're gonna go back to the kids who are not playing at the highest level. But I can't imagine. And then you tell me, do they offer programming, say, all the way up to U16, U17? And if they do, are they still playing against academy teams? at that age or is that or is it a talent too far dispersed that PSG is only going to play against other academies no so basically for example the PSG elite team so the number one team the teams they are playing against they are not only Marseille or Lyon you know they might have some like division two teams like um, for example Ajaxio which made it to the first team at that age category I mean, to the first uh, league category, you know. So, um, so then, yeah, basically, it's not um, it's it's not that much complicated. But I would say, uh, up to under eighteen years old, you can. Uh, it's it's that way, you know. But I understand your question. So you're asking me if um, if the team is going up, but the guy want to play. Um, Another another league? That's what you're asking? No, I'm asking, you know, and, and I'm kind of basing this one a little bit on my conversations with folks in the UK. At those younger ages, a grassroots club can can hang with a um, academy club, right? And they will, in some cases, they will play each other. As a matter of fact, the academies recruit young kids who are still playing grassroots. But as exactly. the kids yeah. get as the kids get older, past puberty. They, the grassroots club just can't compete with an academy club anymore. So the yeah, equivalent of PSG, they don't even they, play the grassroots club because it's just too far of a difference in um, skill level. I, I will I will just explain you the story of Mbappe so that you get a, you get a point. So when he was 12 years old, I mean sorry, when he was 11 years old, he played with the under 13 years old team. Okay. For and which club? Team, for Bondi, AS okay. Bondi. Bondi is like, a, uh, I think they they play six division below PSG, you know? So okay, it's okay. very low, you know, yeah. So he played with them. He was 11 years old. He played with guys who are 13 years old. So, you know, this is what we called um, uh, a promotion to a player in France. So you play with guys who are older than you because you you are better than the guys your age you know mm -hmm. so at that point then when he was playing at that level i i don't know what level his team was but sometimes maybe they do tournaments maybe they play against guys from psg or whatever or maybe in the league they were playing they were playing against teams in a higher division than what they are supposed to be playing but I see what you're asking. So, the the um, he he get older, 
then he will not be play, they will not be playing against those same high level team because they will be losing players who are very good like Mbappe you know because team like PSG or Monaco who took him when they heard about him like I think he was only yeah, he was only 10 they already wanted him to sign you know even Manchester and so um, the quickest the quickest they I mean the parents don't want the kids to go that early but for Mbappe he left when he was 13 you understand? You see? Yeah. So okay. at 13, he left the team. So then, now think about it. His team was super strong with him, and they were maybe at that level, like at a national level. Now they lose him, and they also lose other players who were playing with him because there is a guy, called, his name is Gires Kembo. He was also in his team. He was coached by the father of Mbappe, you know? So also they lose this guy. Now the team, the next year, as you can imagine, they 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 were relegated, you know, and they were not able to still compete against teams like PSG because in teams like PSG, if um, if you playing with them and you touching, each year they will replace guys each year, you know, they are not joking. Yes. Okay. So now let's. So now we understand that. And if you guys are just joining us, this is the inside scoop with Neil Crawford. We're talking to Wesley Merker about the soccer pathways available in uh, Paris. So now, now that we've established that, let's go back and talk about coaching. And what I like to do is compare the coaching that you would receive at those quote unquote grassroots club to what you would receive if you were in an academy. But in order to set this up, let's assume two things. For the purposes of this conversation, at 10 years old, my son is is playing at one of these local clubs and he is completely lights out. He's Mbappe, Ronaldo, all wrapped up in one. Okay? Okay. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about how, what happens to him. He's playing, is there scouting? How does that work? Then what we're going to, what I'm going to ask is, and what will the coaching be like for him once he moves on to the highest level of coaching he can receive in these academies versus what he was receiving in the quote unquote, the, the closest thing you would have to a grassroots smaller club. And the reason I'm saying that, and I will repeat these questions if I'm throwing too much at you is because in the States, it is very possible for a very talented player to actually receive better coaching, and I'm using my air quotes, at a smaller club during the foundation phase than they may actually get at an academy. And I know that sounds pretty weird, but the academy, as they get older though, the academy offers other um, benefits in addition to great coaching. So the first thing we're gonna do is talk about, and I'll repeat these questions. The first thing we wanna do is talk about, my son is lights out, He's playing in your local club. He's like Mbappe, but let's go to 10 years old. What happens? How does PSG or um, all these other clubs, how do they find him? How does that work? Okay. So he played with, uh, in that local, local team. And, he, okay, he's shining. He's the greatest, basically, which means that each weekend he will be scoring – five to six goal like Mbappe you know so everyone will heard about him so which means that professional teams will bring coach we will bring scouts each weekend you know 
So when you say everyone, so when you say, hold on, when you say everyone will hear about him, are you saying that the they're the coaches and the scouts and the clubs all kind of know each other? Of course, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also this is a business to the clubs. You know what I mean? Like for example, the first club of Mbappe, AC uh, AC Bondi, Bondi, they receive I think four million when he moved from. Uh, Monaco to PSG, you know. So when okay. they when okay. they know that they have someone who who can, in the future, bring them money, of course they will do everything they can to make sure that he's uh, he's going pro. You know. Okay. So, so what we all right, and I'm gonna cut you off and say all right. So this is perfect, and what we want to hone into is literally what happens. So my son is playing, and and this, and we're gonna do one makeup scenario that could be based on reality in the sense of it could possibly happen, and that coach. <laughs> will have a friend at PSG or know someone there and he'll send an email and say, you need to send someone down here to check him out. Is that, is that a realistic way it will work? Uh, basically, first of all, even, even before the coach talk to someone, because some coach might not have a network, but it's just like the scout of PSG, all they do all day long, they they go around pitch they go around uh, around the uh, competition game whatever level and they check okay on the scoreboard they check if a, uh, a kid has over three goals per game you know and this is how everything started basically you know and so it doesn't mean that the coach your the coach of your son has to has to know someone in psg like by itself it will come to you and someday you will have your son during a game and you will you, who is killing it and you you might have a um a scout from whatever team around you and talking to you he, he will give you his card and tell you okay i really like how your son play uh what about taking him to a trial you know to the to our team and then yeah that's actually how it works because they all uh how, how can i phrase this basically as everything is written, the stats and like who scored the goal, who gave the assist and everything, like everyone know who is good and who is not good, you know? And uh, so, yeah, so basically, where, wherever he's playing, if he's from France, someone will know about him for sure. Okay. All right. So now your, your son is killing it. it. It sounds like there's a scouting apparatus. They will then talk to the parent give the parent the information and ask the child and the parent to come for a trial. Is that a fair, that's a fair description. Exactly. They will, they will make you guys comfortable to come to the trial. Yeah. And then the trial typically is it, is it like in the UK where you play a couple of, uh, not play, you, you practice a couple times and see, see how it works out and maybe play a game as well and see if they want to keep you. Yeah. If they invite you for the trial, it's a big honor. Like you will be, practicing with the kids who already made it into their team at your age category that's what that's exactly what happened to mbappe with real madrid you know and actually he made it they wanted him but his parents didn't want him to go to um to uh to, but also the same thing happened to him in manchester united you know but he didn't make it in manchester they didn't want him after the oh. trial so yeah. wow okay so let me get this straight hold on okay all right so that coach gives you your car you go you do a trial they like you you make it now 
at that age, at the young age, let's say 10, 10 years old, do you have to sign, are you signing some kind of contract that says now you cannot play with anyone else? Or what is that? I don't want to put it in there because I don't know how it works. So basically, uh, if your son is really good, you will have many choice of teams who will come to you, first of all. But yeah, if they want you, then they will also, of course, prevent, uh, I mean, offer a contract. I will, again, keep um, tell you about the story of Mbappe so that you have an ID. Monaco wanted him. So they offer uh, a big check to his parents, maybe over $200,000, you know, so that he signed. That's what I'm telling you. When you play at those academy, you don't have to pay, and they even pay you to come, you know. And um, then beside that, as his father wanted to be around him, they also give a work, a job to his father so that he can go with him and uh, be around him, which was wow. good because he needed to be surrounded by his parents. And that's one extreme example because, and I say that, maybe it's not, Mbappe, but the average kid who makes the academy but is not Mbappe, that contract, are they all getting, uh, let, and let's, again, let's hone in on a 10-year-old. Is any money going changing hands at 10 or is there a cutoff? And you may not know that, know, know this. Is there a point where they can't pay you and then when you turn you know, 15, I'm making that up, or 13, they can pay, or, or is it different at the different ages? No, when, when you're young, um, if they really want you, they will pay, for sure. Really? All players, really? all professional players, when they were transferred before the age of 16, they, they, they got, they, they, the parents got something, for sure. Then, starting 16 years old, then you, get, you start getting paid by your, uh, I mean, to you, you, you know, but before 16, then your parent gets, get a check for sure. Okay. So now you sign, my child signs with the professional academy and we've established they signed some kind of contract and more than likely the parent is going to get some kind of compensation and the child is definitely not going to pay. But in the UK, when they, it doesn't work exactly like this at the younger ages, but they can still play for their grassroots club while they also train with the academy. Is that the case in Paris or they can only train with that academy at that point? Because Germany, for no, example, no. you only can play with that academy. In France, yeah, you only play with the academy. Once you sign with them, you practice with them every day and you play with them every Saturday. Okay, so I want to okay. really unpack that. So. You're, you're said at the quote-unquote grassroots level, and I'm using that term. It doesn't fit nicely in a box, but for the purposes of the conversation, at your local club, you may practice two, maybe three days a week. Is that fair? Two days a week. Okay. Two but then, or three, yeah. Two or three, depending. And then, but when you go to that academy, are you saying they actually practice five days a week? Every day, yeah, every day, of course. Really? It's got to be every day. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. See, I, I, can't, I can't picture that. Okay, so, and all right, so you're there and you're practicing every day of week and you're playing your games. And presumably you can get cut at any of those ages, right? So you can, you can you get have, released. You can get yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. And, all right, all right, you can get released. Now, we've established that in terms of coaching, you're already going to get a benefit because you're going to get more contact hours. But how would you compare, in general, the coaching at the academy level, the highest level of academy, to what you could receive at the grassroots level? And I'm going to tell you why I'm asking this in a second. 
I would say that at the grassroots level, um, you don't practice that that much, you know. But if you are already really good and your coach really like you, then he can give you extra training, you know. Uh, like the father of Mbappe, give him and some of his teammates extra training so that they will be at the same level as kids in the academy, you know. That's why when he trials with the academy, he was also at the same level as them, you know. Also okay, so, 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 let's, so let's try to put this into a, in a framework. So you're not going to, in general, you're not going to get the same level at the academy by the mere fact that the hours are there. But there are going to be some coaches, if you're really good, that are going to take a special interest in you and provide you some extra training. But what I'm asking is, let's assume that the, that the academy level coach, and I'm kind of getting into how professional in general. So let me give you an example. The challenge level coach, the recreational coach, if they had one, given the same hours, will never in America, never be as good as the academy level coach. Never. Mm-hmm. And but in the UK, for example, at those younger ages, because there are a lot of ex-professional footballers and licensed coaches who don't necessarily want to commit to academy, at those younger ages, there still may be grassroots coaches that give you the same level of training as you might get in the academy. And then in America, we just talked about the recreational challenge. But there are other clubs that are not official academies that may be founded mm-hmm. by someone like Mbappe's dad, right? And they offer okay. similar level training as the academy. So now I'm trying to ask, if you had to put it in a boat, you're advising me and, and you're trying to tell me why my child should join the academy. And the first thing you're going to say, well, you're going to be around, uh, you know, more talented kids. You're going to practice now five or six days. You're going to practice five days a week in a game. And now I'm asking you, well, yeah, but, but I really like my coach. Or are you going to say to me, I know you like your coach, but the academy level coaches are way better. Or are you going to say it just depends? Or what are you going to tell me? I'm going to tell you that uh, there is, treat, um, there is a, uh, like a really good coach got to be a UFAA licensed coach. So the UFA is the big league in Europe. So each league in each country is related to the UFA. And the UFA, so um, the, the UFA give, a license, give a different types of license to coaches. And when a coach has the UFAA license diploma, it means that he is like one of the highest level coach you can find, you know? And so what I'm gonna tell you is that if your kids uh, is joining the academy, he will get a UFA A coach. Whatever age your kid is, he will for sure get a UFA A licensed coach. But if he's playing still in your in your club, the coach the coach he have is not a UFA A licensed coach because if you got a UFA A license um, license, you will never be training kids in a, a low level, you know, because it's a low salary. So you will go to a club where you have a highest salary. And that so was going to be my next question. And that's a good segue into another question. Are those coaches, because 150 euros is not enough to sustain someone. So those coaches at those lower clubs, are they like more volunteer coaches that get paid a stipend? 
or are they full-time and being paid by the FFA or how does that work? And just very no, no. basic. They, 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 are, they are doing this because of the passion, because they love soccer and because they want to they want, they want help kids, but that's not their full-time job. That's just like a extra cash, but very small cash. No, yeah, it's very... And, yeah. then, and then when we go to the academy, Full-time, you know, full-time. Yeah, they that's full-time. Full so in, in the academy, that's full-time, yeah, because that, that's not just two practice a week. It's like every day, and he got to have different types of uh, training, you know, and yeah, he got to think more. But the local coach, he doesn't, have, he, he doesn't even have to be um, a licensed coach. He, he okay. can just be a guy okay. who want to be coaching kids, you know? Okay, so I got okay. that. All right, now... Let's assume that I got my parent goggles on, okay? And no, no. I think I'm raising the next Mbappe, <laughs> which, happens probably, which happens probably more often than I'd like to admit. I think my child has the potential. You don't see it. Nobody else sees it, but I think they got it, okay? Okay. And yeah. I want my child to get the same training that Mbappe is getting now because I believe if I, if I can just get him that training – he can grow into this and then he can make these teams. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In the state, here are your options. You can play again for the equivalent of PSG and you're going to be on one of their lower teams and you're going to keep working. You're going to keep playing and you're going to hope that the, the equivalent of PSG's uh, Academy sees you. That's one route. Now you okay. can do more than one of these, but that's one strategy. I'm just going to try to be as close to the sun as I can be, okay? Okay. Another thing, too, you can do as a parent is you can sign your kid up for these specialized clinics that just focus mm -hmm. on technical ability. And they're small group clinics. They may cost you the equivalent of 100 euros a month, and you get one training a week, and they're just really focused on these. And they're, they're for-profit. There's no games. They're just these clinics. You obviously have individual training that you can pay for, and you obviously as a parent can work with your child. Mm -hmm. And then there is one more, uh, I guess you'd say, opportunity that you can leverage. There are clubs, and my son actually is a part of one, that are not, don't offer this, the academy level, um, they're not academies. But mm -hmm. they offer really, really great training. And the best way to think of them from an international perspective would be almost like a soccer school. So they play games, okay. they train, and they are a club, but the emphasis is very much on development. And eventually you're going to leave and go to an MLS. They measure success by the number of players that leave and then eventually – sign with the MLS team. Does that make sense? Yes, 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 totally. And we would call them, and if we were in other countries, we might call them soccer schools. Here, they're still clubs. Okay, so those are your options. And one of the reasons why you might go to the soccer school is because if you play for the equivalent of PSG, you may be on their fourth team. And I'm making that up. <laughs> yeah. But in a soccer school, yeah. you're going to be on their top team, and you're going to get the same level of training that, or at least you'll get the same level of commitment and training that you would get if you were at PSG. So those are some of the options that you have as a parent. And remember, all of this is in your pain, right? So all of, okay. these, all of these opportunities exist 
because there's market demand for them. Let okay, me give yeah. you an example. In um, London, the UK, in uh -huh. UK, London, and as well as many parts of Africa, they don't have these robust choices. They have some, but they don't have these robust choices because parents basically and culturally feel, you know, there's no way in the world I'm going to pay. If, if you're that good, they'll find you. So you need to go out in the yard and practice until you get good enough to, to make it. Okay, so that's my soapbox on that. So now let's, re let's recalibrate. I'm in Paris. I think my child has what it takes. They haven't been scouted. What do you tell me? What are the opportunities I can explore to get them the training that I perceive Mbappe is getting at PSG? Okay, so uh, I would tell you to, um, to get um, an individual coach that will train him. That's your first option. Uh, this will cost you something, but that's one option. The other option will be to, um, to also in, uh, uh, register him into um, uh, like a soccer school, you know? So they actually uh, have soccer schools as well, like what I'm describing. Yes, yes, yes. They also have this, like um, people who are doing extra training. For, for example, they know that you only got two trainings a week in his club. Your son only got two trainings a week. So they will also organize two trainings a week so that your son got four, which is almost the same as kids in the academy, you know? Now, um, and is that soccer school, are they going to offer games? Are they structured like a club or is it more of a clinic? Just, just, tra just training. No games. Okay. Just training. Maybe sometimes during the summer, if you don't have, if the kids don't have games with the team, they might register the, the soccer school into tournaments, you know. But it's basically just training. Yeah, yeah. And the kids gotta be motivated because yeah, you are paying for it. So yeah, that's that's another option. But usually, in this situation, even if I'm thinking about uh, me personally, the guy I've known who became professional. It's always the same thing as they have a father who is crazy about this because they know the son has a talent. Then the father will be like the father of Mbappe and the father will give extra training. Even if the father don't know much about soccer, the father will look on YouTube or whatever and the father will give him, uh, will make him work out. Okay, so that's a good segue into, so we, that's a great segue into the final piece of the show because we've talked about, and this is Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop. I'm speaking to Wesley Marker from um, Search Your Team, and this is an organization that helps U.S. players find soccer and academy opportunities in France, and then he does the same thing, helping French players find scholarship opportunities in, um, in the States, and his organization has been growing, and I'm going to link his information below, and we've gotten into the weeds here, folks, and I always joke with my guests and say, you know, this podcast is not for everybody, right? Like, but but it, it is for those people who want to know exactly what it was like if your child was there, right? Because so often I hear on um, podcasts where they talk to people from around the world and they talk so in general. And I'm like, I can't picture this. I want to know how many days are you on the pitch? What are you getting? What are you receiving? How much you're paying, right? And so I hope the listeners are able to follow this detailed conversation. I hope you're entertained, but also hope you learn something. And now we're segueing, segueing into the final part of the show, which um, um, is inspired by some listener questions we have. Okay. 
Now we want to dig into, because you have a unique perspective. You've seen youth players uh, rise up to the highest level, and you played in some of the highest level. You've obviously played in college in the States as well, which is a testament to your skill because, I mean, that's just really hard to do and your fortitude. All right. Yeah. So I am a parent. You're a young guy, so you, you, you may not be able to picture what I'm going to ask, but I'm going to try it. I'm a parent. Okay. And I don't have the privilege of seeing thousands of other little 10-year-olds running around playing soccer. This makes sense. This okay. is obvious. Yeah. So the only time I see the great, anything great, is some kid jump roping and juggling <laughs> at the same time with blindfolded. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I, so, so I can't picture what these little fellows and girls, for that matter, look like at those youth ages. And I can't picture what these professional stars, what their parents did with them at these youth ages. And you've mentioned Mbappe and you've mentioned his father a few times. And let me just throw a disclaimer. This show is not about what you have to do to turn your child into the next messy. This show is about, and well, this segment of the show is just asking you whatever nuggets of insight you have on what people did with their children when they were really young and what are some of the attributes you notice in kids who are really young that now went on and you've seen the entire cycle and um, have gone on to do great things. And I always mm-hmm. tease my, I always tease my 10 year old. Um, you know, we talk about the show and we talk about different questions to ask. And he always says, dad, when are you going to interview a celebrity? I want you to talk to, you know, Mbappe in this exam. I'm like, well, first of all, that's probably not going to happen. And secondly, I don't want to talk to Mbappe. And I always joke with him. I don't want to talk to Mbappe. I want to talk to his dad. I want to know what was his dad seeing when Mbappe was eight, ten. And the and the answer could be I did nothing. I just I, I rolled a ball out there, and this kid was just juggling two thousand times, and I didn't do anything. And then that would be that would be telling. Or the dad could say, you know, I did these, I did that kind of stuff. And that would be telling. So we take more of a mosaic approach to getting the information. uh, And we just listen to each person's story and we apply whatever life lesson we can to our own individual life. And whether it be soccer, you know, academics, life lessons, it really doesn't matter. So with that being said, let's talk about your childhood, for example. Yeah. Because you play college which is a goal that many youth players aspire to. What did your parents do or not do to support you in soccer to the best that you can remember? Uh, Well, and that's my example would be the same example for maybe kids who became professional. My parents did absolutely nothing <laughs> to support me. <laughs> they, they really didn't care about me playing soccer because they both graduated in, in, in my country of origin, you know, and all my siblings, I'm the youngest one, all my siblings graduated mm-hmm. and they never, I have an older brother who also wanted to make it pro in soccer, but they killed his vibe and they told him, no, you got to graduate. And now he's an engineer, you know. So when I told them I want to I wanna go pro, they were like, oh, like your brother. So I did everything on my own. Um, and basically, I, I was practicing with, uh, I mean, in my local team, we had maybe 
two training a week, you know. But beside this, my motivation made me training train more because with friends I was playing all the time, you know. And that's exactly how I met another guy. His name is Wesley as well, Wesley Said. And this guy is a professional in FC Toulouse. Toulouse is a division one team. And so basically for him, it was the same thing. His parents didn't support him until big clubs came to him. You know, yeah. At that yeah. time, then of course, then they were supporting him. But in the beginning, they didn't. And because he was such talented, then that's how everything started for him. You know, because in France, when you go around any neighborhoods in uh, underprivileged places, you will see kids playing all day long. And I think this is the best way to improve yourself. You know. Because they're right, playing so, on 2 a.m., so you know? So let me unpack this. And my wife, I tell listeners all the time, my wife happens to be African, and I lived in London so for a long time. So I definitely understand this cultural situation where, you know, I tease my friends about Africa. Not only do they, they focus on school, but you really only got like three or four choices. Engineering, medicine, law, and if you're a complete reject, maybe business. So not only, not only are they only focused on school, but you only got about three or four things you can do within school. And so I, I joke because a lot of my friends are like, they had to sneak around and play and practice soccer because their parents just did not focus on that at all, which is totally different than here in the States because we actually have a problem. Our parents are probably focused a little too much on it. All right, so your parents didn't, so, so it wasn't a situation where your dad was like, listen, we're going to go out into the park and you got to work on your juggling or you got to work on, we're going to, I'm going to buy some cones and you got to do all this stuff. So you, you learn basically on your own through your own drive and the training that you receive, plus playing a lot with other kids, free play. Exactly, and the same yeah. thing but, with your, and the same thing with, uh, my, my, with your friend. The other came to one of my games. <laughs> you know? I can't even believe Sorry? that. Okay. So, but then when you start thinking about someone like Mbappe or other professionals, if we had to canvas the ones that you're familiar with, in general, is your story, and you kind of said this, I just want to be clear, is your story indicative of, of, I guess I'm saying, are these other ones, let me give an example. Kristen Prolistic, for example, here in the States. Now, mm -hmm. It's pretty documented, even though his parents kind of downplay it a little bit, it's pretty documented that they were really active in working with him. They downplay it publicly, but his dad, for example, created a, a futsal league to get played. So that kind of tells you sort of where we at. Okay. Yeah. It, but that is a, sounds like to me, somewhat of a unique American story. But for you, is it, are there other, can you think of other examples of, people where their parents really worked with them or or is your story sort of similar to how everybody's is i would say in the beginning most of most of the kids just play um yeah they they play all day long uh um uh they play all day long with other kids and the parents don't really care much about it but if the kids became successful and recognized then they will start focusing on him if he's like Mbappe. But usually it's not the case. Yeah, usually it's not the case. And I know it may sound crazy that my parent never came, I mean, my, my dad never came to one of my, my uh, soccer game and then I end up in a college. But it's just like, yeah, I think 
when you ask me when you ask me about if the kids um, should take um, I mean if how, how someone who is playing in a local team can practice more in here nobody take um, extra classes or like um, private uh, soccer school or private training because the kids just practice with other kids all day long you know you still here yeah, I'm here. Okay, so I had a slight in it. Okay, so yeah, so that's kind of what they do. All right, so now the final thing on that is you talked about free play, but I want to really put this in a in a bow and get your opinion on it more structured, I guess you'd say, for free play, so that our listeners can picture this because that's one of the issues we have here in the states that um, the players don't free play enough. So not we don't want to talk about it from a nostalgic perspective. I really want to talk about it from an understanding perspective. Monday through Friday, you get out of the school, in the streets of Paris, how much are kids free playing? Free playing? Um, so actually there is, so without paying anything, right? I can't hear you. Sorry, I was in mute. Yeah, just playing in the streets, just playing in the streets. How much are they playing? industries free playing i would say every day for real and when it's we, let's say the schools the school finish at 4 p.m okay so maybe yeah. from four, maybe from four to six um there will be a um there will be a volunteer who will be coordinating everything because now the city invests a lot of money to bring some pitch into the hood you know so those underprivileged uh, places, they have uh, they have some uh, big soccer field, you know, uh, even with a roof, you know, so that even if it's wow. raining, the kids are still playing. So from four to six, you will have someone who will be coordinating everything, making sure everything is good, and he will bring balls from the city. And then at six p.m. they close it. But so far, and you have this in every French city. It was not working because after 6 p.m. the kids were just like um, they will uh, break the the door and they will just go in and keep playing, you know. So now they let that open all day long. So after 6 p.m. the guy who worked for the city leaves and then the kids the kids just keep playing and that's yeah that's for freedom. Yeah. Okay, so culturally they're just constantly playing. Okay. Constantly, yeah. And so yeah. and so then that that leads me to my final question is. In the States, we have a controversy about sports specialization. And I lean on the side personally of giving your child as many sports opportunities as they can. First of all, life's too short and sports are fun for a reason. Uh, and yeah. secondly, um, you know, when they're young and developing, it's probably good for them to experience different things. Not probably, it definitely is. Mm -hmm. Okay, but in France, and I know basketball is pretty big, but in France, to the best of your ability, are parents how do parents how do you feel about early sports specialization in the sense that the kid is only playing one sport or is that even something that people even think about um usually as soccer is the biggest sport over here if the kids don't like soccer maybe they will take him to basketball or bad badminton you know but beside those sports, yeah, the rest is, uh, there is not much clubs because soccer has the biggest budget, you know, because everybody plays soccer. So for the other clubs, 
for example, let's say your kid want to play tennis in here, because there is not a lot of clubs that do that, the license to play tennis is super expensive. And few kids do it, you know. Now they are trying to make it cheaper for kids, but it's still very expensive compared to soccer. Soccer is one of the cheapest. Yes, yeah, so, and so you don't have a situation where there's a debate, and you may or may not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you don't have a situation where parents are like, man, I really, I really got to get my child into basketball. I really got to get him into tennis because I'm worried about repetitive motion is, um, injuries. It doesn't, they don't think no, about No, no, like no, no, no. They, they, they don't think about this because in school, that's what they do. In school, we play all sports. They don't just play soccer. In school, like, we have maybe two or three hours of sports per week. I would say four hours per week, sorry. And so uh, almost every day we got a, an hour for sports and we, we try different sports. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. This is Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop. I've had a wonderful conversation with Wesley McCurr from Paris, the founder of Search Your Team in French. Uh, what, and tell me again, I want to be clear, French Sports Tryouts and it's searchyourteams.com. We're going to link that information below. They, again, help uh, academy-level players reach their dreams in Europe and get exposure. They even track you so you can get a full detailed report. And obviously, you're going to network with academy coaches. And then they do the same thing, bringing French players to colleges and universities. So if you're a college or university listening, this may be something that um, you may be interested in as well. Oh, go ahead, Wes. Yeah, but also I want to add, we, we don't only help French kids because also if you're an American player and you wish to, uh, to get a scholarship, as myself, I got a scholarship in the U.S. and I've placed some French players. We also help American kids to get scholarship in the U.S. The same way we do with French players because think about it. I, we have a relationship with a lot of co college coaches, you know, and as a college coach, when you receive a video of a, a guy who's been playing against professional teams in France, it's different than receiving a video of an American guy who's been playing against teams in Kentucky, for example. <laughs> you know? So, they, just basically, oh, sorry? You no, know, I was going to say, in the country, we have this saying, use everything in your toolbox. And so I didn't even think about that. That is a way to make your highlight film pop, right? Exactly. Yes, yes. That's exactly okay. what we do. So basically, and actually right now, I'm, I'm taking care of some kids who came to a trial against Perry FC. So they got a highlight against Perry FC, um, uh, Red, um, FC Red Star. Red Star is also a Division Two team. And then a national team division. So they have three games, and we will make that. We will make we will make a highlight for them out of those three games, and they are American. So when we will show the highlight to the coach we work with in the U.S., we will be able to tell them, okay, those kids are American, but they had the skills enough to be playing against those French team during a trial. So take a look at their video, and then it will make them shine. Because also, as we already bring a lot of good French players, like one of the French players uh, uh, we bring. His name is Jesse Niamsi, and he he was champion of NA, NAIA. He was champion of that last year, you know? Okay, so he's he's, 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 all right. was and, and so right before we end the show, because, um, and again, we're going to link your information in the show notes, and then we're going to also um, continue this relationship 
um, because I, I'm also friends with a few college coaches. There, uh, there are some popular Facebook groups where they're, they're talking about recruiting, and I think that's a that's an angle that most Americans have not thought about. Uh, and then, oh by the way, there are college and universities around the world as well, not just in the states. And there's kids who are looking for opportunities to travel and play and, ed and be educated as well. So we'll we'll we're going to explore all of that now. Right before I let everybody go, there was one thing you said that made me think of one final question I almost forgot. Go ahead. Yeah. And again, this is a generalization. I hate putting you on the spot because, you know, you're not the ambassador of French football and American uh, soccer. <laughs> Based on what you have seen, um, how would you compare the typical from a technical, let's think about this in two broad category, categories from a technical perspective and a tactical perspective, American players, and you can pick the age uh, compared to the French players from what you have seen and based on your college experience and, and experience playing in the French system. Okay. I would say, I will base it on my college experience. I would say that American soccer is focusing too much on the physical going to the gym all the time, going to the gym, being strong, you know. And in Europe, I mean, in France, we don't focus on that that much, you know. They, they would rather have someone who is very skinny, but very technical than someone who is very strong. Because being technical means being smart. Because as you're small, you got to be technical and you got to be able to get away in situation against big guy you know and usually in the u.s the guys are very strong and everything but they are not technical and with just with one move you can make them go on the ground you know just with yeah. one move you yeah. know and so that's what i would say that's the big difference the u.s coaches focus too much on the the physical appearance they want us to go to the gym a lot of time and um in my college i was with a, an italian kid and a guy from Brazil, they were not used to that as well, like going to the gym that much and yeah, being not, no. we never play much with the ball, you know, maybe two times a week, we had a practice with a ball, you know, and this is not what we are used to in Europe. And also after each practice in France, we have a small game after each practice, but in the US it was never the case. And I think it's bad because you gotta practice, you gotta have a game at the end of each practice so that you have a better team. Uh, uh, you know, you you your teammates know each other better. You know, from my point of view. Okay, and man, that's some great insight. And I'm I'm gonna take a couple of things. So, I'm a detail person. Okay, yeah. I'm not gonna hold you to this. You're not in the court of law, but. Are you seriously telling me in your college, y'all will practice, you practice five days a week, I assume, right? Uh, uh, every day, yeah, every day. And you're telling me that only two days you'll be with the ball? I'm stereotyping, but I, I was more without the ball than with the ball. Running oh, all the God. time, going to the gym, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, all right. Real. And that's on the field then, you cannot feel the synergy with other players because we never touched the ball many times together, you know? And, so, and you definitely did not end every practice with a small side of game. That's a fair exactly. why. That's why in college then, with my teammates, beside the practice with the coach, we were training together, small games, together. 
without the oh, coach. That, that is an amazing story. So you know, you know what takeaway I'm going to take as the father of a 10-year-old who actually works with their kid. And, and I'm doing a series of podcasts on the mistakes I made. And you just pointed out a mistake that I've been making that I didn't even realize I was making. And you know what that is. So as a father of a 10-year-old, and I'm going to let my 10-year-old listen to this, and I have a six-year-old as well. We do a lot of technical training, right? Uh-huh. But I'm going to end. This is my commitment. I'm putting it on radio so that uh, I can hold myself accountable. I am going to end um, every training session with my boys with a small side of game, whether it just be me and them two or me and them one-on-one. Okay, so that's, we're never going to, I'm never going to make it, well, they don't get that tired. We do all the time. In France, whatever the level is, <laughs> no, but yeah. in France, that's what they do. Whatever the level is, at, each, at the end of each practice, there is a game. Also, depending if the kids were behaving correctly or not, you know, but if they behave correctly, that's like a, a gift. Okay, guys, yeah. you did a good practice. Yeah. Let's go for the game, you know. All right. And then penalty. So that is some great parting advice and something I'm going to implement in my own individual life. And I just found that uh, from a perspective of U.S. soccer, and, and because I'll end with this, we have some great – see, here is my unofficial, unknowledged opinion. At the very young ages in the States, because we have a market-based system, we have mm-hmm. some good potential. Like when you start getting to my son's age 10 – eight, nine, 10, there's some kids that probably could do okay in Europe. But something happens between 12 and 16. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that something is massive, okay? Now, what I don't know is if between 12 and 16, we're seeing the manifestation of a lot of wrong stuff in the early ages, that could be true. But it really, mm-hmm. the separation begins to happen there. And I envision, my hypothesis is based on you, is now we're starting to fill in the gaps by talking to people like you. Well, one of those things is an emphasis on athleticism over technical ability. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally. All right. So, I will just add something. So, those small games, at the end of the practice, it can just be 10 minutes. But it will be like within a small space and all you got to do, maybe the coach will be, okay, three, three touch. For to start, the, first, the, five, the five first minutes will be three touch and then it will be, okay, three, uh, whatever touch you want. But it will be on the small size and then you got to get away in crazy situation by making some skills, you know. But in France, we never went to the gym, to be honest with you. You know, when you are in a professional academy and maybe once a week, but not like in a U.S. college where we go at least three times a week, you know, and uh, you know how Americans Americans are. All right. So listen, this has been Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop. I've been talking to Wesley McCor from France, who has a wonderful company. We're going to link those information uh, below. And he's very open. You feel free to reach out to him. And we've learned about the soccer pathway, pathways in Paris. And, and we kind of went over, but I, I went over because the conversation was so captivating. And I just really enjoyed it. And, and Wesley, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy day to talk to us dumb Americans about soccer. We really, really, really appreciate it. 
All right. So, guys, if you haven't collected the um, 50 free ball mastery um, videos and the 50 free juggling videos, please check out www.anytime-soccer.com to, uh, to do so. This has been a wonderful show. Let's get better together.